the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with all of you at the top of the week. My name is Father Ed Broom, OMB, Oblate of the Virgin Mary. And as always, it's great to be with all of you. And we'd like to start off our week always by invoking Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. So I'd like to um, invite Mary to be with us. Mary would pray with us and pray for us. and So that we can love God more and more each day. All the days of our life. So we can start by saying the prayer that Mary loves most. That prayer that Mary loves most is the is the Hail Mary. Together, let's pray the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. What a great grace and privilege it is to have as our spiritual director the Holy Spirit. Like Mary, the Holy Spirit has many titles. The Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of the Soul. Holy Spirit is also known as our Counselor. He's our counselor. He's also our consoler. The Holy Spirit is also known as our sanctifier. We really want to grow in holiness, then the Holy Spirit is the key. He can help us to really grow in holiness of life. As Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. That were not sufficient, the Holy Spirit is also our spiritual master or teacher. Saint Paul reminds us in these words. Saint Paul says, We don't really know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light. 
lot of peace, a lot of joy in our service of the Lord and His vineyard. As the Lord says, the harvest is rich, but the labors are few. Let's pray together to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would enlighten us with with His light and set our hearts on fire with the divine love. As we say, Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Welcome you all to our Perseverance uh, family. Thanking all of you a happy Father's Day to the priests, that's true. Happy Father's Day to your fathers, as well as perhaps your husbands, so... Now let's praise and thank Christ for giving us his heavenly Father, which we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So let's thank God in a very general way for all paternity, starting with our heavenly Father. We might even say that prayer today, the Our Father, very slowly and calmly thanking our heavenly Father for giving us life. So let's pray for fathers, priests, fathers of families, that we all be able to model in our lives our Heavenly Father. 
So in my Mass today, I'd like to place all of you on the altar. In the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. There's no greater prayer in the world than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It is indeed the prayer par excellence. So I'd like to place you on the altar. And offer these special intentions. The first intention will be, I'd like to pray for all of us that we'd be open to the Holy Spirit. Because our sanctification depends upon our union with the Holy Spirit. Say, let us uh, pray often today this prayer, Come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My second intention will be For our families. I'd like to pray for our families. First of all, for the conversion of our families. For our sanctification of our families. And the salvation of our families. My third intention will be I'd like to pray in a special way for the dying. That those who will be dying today, that they will be saved. Pray especially for the dying today who are not well prepared. Nothing more important in our lives than to get to heaven. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So let's pray in a special way for the dying. For the dying. So my friends, today, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Liturgically, Sunday is a special day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So every Sunday is like a mini Easter. We celebrate the Paschal Mystery, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Christ. Every Sunday. It's like a mini Easter. Pope St. John Paul II in the 80s wrote a very important document on this topic. And the name of this document, John Paul II, is Dies Domine, or in English, the Day of the Lord. In this, John Paul II 
highlighted the importance of the Lord's Day. Sunday for us is the center of the week because it's the day in which our Lord rose from the dead. Remember when I was in Jerusalem on pilgrimage a few years back? It was interesting because Friday was the day that the Muslims celebrated their feast, Saturday the Jews, and Sunday the Christians and the Catholics. Very interesting. So for us, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord on Sunday because that's the day that the Lord rose from the dead. That's the day that he rose from the dead. So, John Paul II says, we celebrate, we live out Sunday by by going to Mass. Not only should we go to Mass, but we should participate fully, actively, and consciously in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And the biggest religious group in our country, as well as the Philippines and Mexico, the biggest religious group are non-practicing Catholics. So let's see if we can maybe invite some non-practicing Catholic to come back and to go to Mass today on Father's Day because the Heavenly Father is welcoming him home as we see in the beautiful parable of the prodigal son or the merciful father. So let's uh, invite those wandering children to come back to church, living out the parable of the prodigal son, but also the merciful father on Father's Day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. So Sunday is a day in which we want to go to Mass and participate fully, actively, and consciously in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Let's also, as John Paul II, use this day to fortify our, our family bonds, to grow in our relation or communication with our family members. So as always, the Sunday Mass offers the three readings. The three readings. The first reading we have in the Mass today is taken from the book of Exodus. So I'd like to just pull out an idea from each of these readings in the psalm and 
and comment on it briefly. You probably know that the book of Exodus is part of what's called the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch would be the first five books in the Bible attributed to Moses as the human author. We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. The book of Exodus points to the Israelites leaving Egypt. Exodus, that's what it means. But the theme today is that God speaks to us through Moses and he says, you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Let's talk briefly about that. You shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Priesthood. The Second Vatican Council speaks about there's two different degrees or types of of that of priesthood. There is the common priesthood of the faithful. There's the common priesthood of the faithful. And most of you belong to that. You start to belong to the common priest of the faithful on the day of your baptism. After the priest or deacon or the bishop baptizes you, those are the ordinary ministers of baptism, then there are many rites within the sacrament of baptism, very beautiful and very symbolic, among which would be when the ministers anoint your forehead with holy chrism, And he proclaims that from now on you are called to be a priest, prophet, and king. Prophet were called to announce the good news. King were called to govern our passions, but also were called to serve others. As Jesus said, He has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life in ransom for many. And priests, there is the common priesthood of the faithful, then there's a ministerial priesthood of the faithful. You belong to the common priest of the faithful, I belong to the ministerial priesthood of the faithful. Now the common priest of the faithful, you live that out, especially when you go to Mass. And you offer yourself with a priest to Jesus Christ, the high priest. Offer your lives, all that you are, all that you have, all that you will be. Everything that's in your hearts can be placed on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So the common priest of the faithful you should try to live that out to the fullest extent possible.
Now in the sacraments, there are seven sacraments, and the seven sacraments can be divided into three different categories. There would be the sacraments of initiation, and that would be baptism, communion, and confirmation. That's right, baptism, communion, and confirmation would be the sacraments of initiation. Then there are the sacraments of healing, and there would be confession and the anointing of the sick. So when you go to confession, the specific sacrament of grace or confession is the healing of our soul that has been damaged due to sin. Then there are two other sacraments, and these sacraments are the sacraments of service. <coughs> and they would be holy orders and holy matrimony. Holy matrimony is a sacrament designed to serve the family, and the family is the domestic church. In holy orders, we holy orders of the priesthood, and we're called to serve the people of God. So that's the one point I would just like to lay on you from the first reading from Exodus chapter 19. God says to Moses, "You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation." A kingdom priest, a holy nation. By holy nation, the word of God is challenging all of us to become saints. Jesus said, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. He also said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for holiness. They will be filled. They will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice or holiness. They will be satisfied. The responsorial psalm, taken from Psalm 100, is, Where is people, the sheep of his flock? Jesus is the good shepherd. The flock. The flock would be us, the people of God, his church. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. It's true that Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep of his flock. But all of you, all of your parents, your mothers and fathers, as mothers and fathers, you also are called to become shepherd to your sheep. To bring your sheep, to bring your children, to bring your family to Christ the good shepherd. But the key for 
us to be good shepherds to our sheep, we first have to be a good sheep to the good shepherd. That's the order. That's right. For us to be a good shepherd to our sheep, we have to be a good sheep of the good shepherd himself. So we move from the psalm to the second reading. It's taken from the letter to the Romans. And the essence of the second reading is the fact that the, the, the death of Christ. This I'd like to lay in our hearts. The death of Christ, St. Paul mentions. The, the fact that Jesus died on the cross. A man being nailed to the cross and dying was one of the worst ways to die. Do you know that St. Paul was not crucified because St. Paul was a Roman citizen? Where St. Peter was crucified upside down. St. Paul was not crucified because he was a Roman citizen and that was considered to be perhaps the worst way to die, to be nailed to the cross or to be roped to the cross. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ purposely decided to submit himself to the crucifixion Why? St. Ignatius Loyola, <coughs> in the spiritual exercises, he points out two of the principal reasons why Jesus suffered so much on the cross. Number one is to show us the gravity of sin. Because of the sin of humanity and because of the sin of each and every one of us individually, Christ willingly submitted himself to the most painful of deaths imaginable, that of crucifixion. That's the first reason. The second reason he suffered on the cross to show us the immensity of his love. That's right, to show us the immensity of his love. No greater love has a man than that he laid down his life for his brothers and sisters. So we should be eternally grateful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for dying on the cross for love of us. 
And once again, St. Ignatius points out that God's love is so immense that if you were the only person, if you were the only person in the world, Jesus Christ would have come through his incarnation. He would have lived for you. He would have undergone the most bitter, painful, excruciating suffering of the cross. Just for love of you. How great indeed, how great indeed is the love that Christ has for us. His love is immense. How great is the love of Christ for us. So that's the second reading taken from the letter of Paul to the Romans. You might even see the movie The Apostle St. Paul with Jim Caviezel as actor. Very well done. We see the life of the early church when St. Paul incarcerated in the Mamertine prison. There preparing for his own death in which he would be decapitated for love of Christ. So let's move then from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans to the Gospel. We are reading, my friends, the Gospel of St. Matthew. And we're in the very heart of the public life of Christ. The public life of Christ lasted about three years. In this, Jesus carried out three basic activities. Abundant preaching. He also worked miracles. And Jesus practiced exorcisms, casting out demons. So the gospel today is very rich. So we start out the gospel today, it says, at the sight of the crowds. Even you take that word, the sight, Jesus was looking at the crowds. You can meditate upon Christ looking at others. Christ looked into the eyes of Matthew, follow me, and he followed. Jesus looked into the eyes of the rich young man, follow me, and he would not follow. Jesus contemplated Jerusalem, and he wept over Jerusalem. So you might even contemplate the eyes of the face of Christ. St. Ignatius says when we start off our meditation, it's a good idea to, to imagine the, 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 the face and the eyes of Christ looking at us. So it says that the sight of the crowds, 
Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them. It says his heart was moved with pity for them. His heart. There's another idea for us. The month of June is not for us Pride Month. Rather, the month of June is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. That's right. The month of June is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. It was just on Friday that we celebrated the most sacred heart of Jesus. Offering heartfelt reparation for the um, blasphemy that was going to be carried out in Dodger Stadium. It was also ordained which one of our oblate priests was ordained a priest, Jonas. Now he's Father Jonas. He was Deacon Jonas for a year and a half. Now he's Father Jonas. Related to the priesthood. And yesterday we celebrated the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So after the celebration of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, then we celebrate the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's a good idea, my friends, to have in your homes both the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary enthroned in your homes. So if you do not have the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus enthroned in your homes, before the end of the month of June, make sure that you you have that done. So that people recognize that the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart and Divine Mercy that's the center of your that's the center of your family life. So Jesus' heart was moved with pity. Moved with pity. This is a passage that can be used when we celebrate the most sacred heart of Jesus. We see his heart moved with pity. For them. Because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. They were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. And you know this. If you have sheep wandering on the bluffs or the hills or the hillsides, the sheep wandering aimlessly can e- easily fall off the cliff. Or, excuse me, or these sheep can easily be attacked by the ravenous wolves. Sheep must have the shepherd to watch over them and to guide them.
the sheep and the shepherd. Then Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the labors are few. Harvest is abundant. <laughs> the harvest is abundant, the labors are few. And he says, so ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. So the most obvious interpretation of this passage is this. For us right now. The harvest is rich. The labors are few. Ask the master of harvest to send laborers to his vineyard. And this can be applied, my friends, to this can be applied, my friends, to vocations to the priesthood or to the religious life. Vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. What are ways? What are ways in which we can foster vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. What are ways? Okay, the most obvious way that we can foster vocation to the priesthood and the religious life is the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer. Setting aside a day each month to pray for vocations to the religious life and priesthood. What we do is the the 13th of every month we have what is called the Rosa Mystica we have people coming in to our church and on the 13th, the Rosa Mystica, praying for vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. Another would be that of Thursday. Thursday is another day Thursday is another day in which you can be praying for the 
vocations of the priest in religious life. Because Thursday, my friends, is the day in which Jesus instituted the Eucharist as well as the priesthood. Another way in which we can really promote vocations to the priest and the religious life is this is an indirect way, but I think it's efficacious is to purchase that book. It's called In Insino. Jesu. I think some of you have heard that book in Encino Jesu. Encino Jesu. What is this book? In Sino Jesu, in so I posted it for you. What is this book in Sino Jesu related to the priesthood and vocations and priestly vocation? You might even try to purchase this and to read through it. And that will help you to, will help you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. As well as to foster vocations to the priesthood. To both pray for vocations and to foster vocations to the priesthood. Let me give you a, a a brief summary of this book. And I really feel that this is very very much related to the gospel today. Jesus says, "The harvest is rich, the laborers are few. Beg the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into the vineyard." This book came about in this way there's a Benedictine monk in Ireland who received these inspirations called locutions and he was kind of you might compare it this way you might even compare it this way as Saint Faustina was the secretary to divine mercy as St. Catherine of Siena is the secretary of the message of God the Father. So this priest, this Irish monk, Benedictine monk, he became the secretary, he became the secretary of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
So during the course of several years, he received these inspirations and he wrote them down in a diary and now it's come out in this book in Sin Sin of Jesu. And some of you, Letty and Sophie, have already gotten a hold of this book and it's a very good book. It's somewhat ironic because uh, my mother got a hold of this book about 10 years ago and she sent it to many of the priests there in West Palm Beach, Florida, where she has she has her home in Vero Beach. That's part of West Palm Beach, Florida. And she sent it to a lot of priests. And if you have read this, you have read this. The essence of this The essence of this is that a priest if he's going to be a good priest if he's going to be a faithful priest he has to serve others. The priest has to serve others. However, before the priest has to serve others, the priest has to establish a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. I see this very much related to Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen, when he retired, he about the last few years of his life, he dedicated the last years of his life giving pre, giving retreats to priests, giving retreats to priests. And he'd always insist, Fulton Sheen, that if the priest wanted to be faithful priests and good priests, they had to be faithful to what he called the holy hour. Fulton Sheen called this holy hour the hour of power. Sheen would go on to say that when you as priests and bishops preach to the people, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But when I preach, people listen. And he said the reason behind this is the hour of power. <coughs> so this book in Sine Jesu the essence is motivating encouraging priests to Spend time with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he presents St. John the Evangelist as a model. St. John the Evangelist is a model, and you see St. John the Evangelist is a model on the front cover of the book, leaning next to Christ. 
Jesus said, love one another as I love you. And Jesus said, I call your friends. So this book is a motivation for priests. This is a, a motivation for priests to establish to establish a deep, dynamic, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Who at the Last Supper he said, I do not call you servants, I call you friends. I call you friends. So what Jesus did to the apostles, we have the gospel today, Jesus choosing the twelve apostles. And then he's sending them out. Giving them authority over the unclean spirits. To drive them out. The unspirits to drive them out. Well, you had the unclean spirits many years ago, the devils. And we see Jesus in his public life the last of three years. Jesus is basically carrying out three, three activities. Abundant preaching. Abundant preaching. And Jesus is working miracles. Miracles in which he's healing sicknesses and he's miracles of our nature. Like turning water into wine, the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. The, the, the calming of the storm. And then Jesus was casting out devils. So Jesus was forming his apostles to cast out the evil spirits. Let me tell you something that may surprise many of you. It's true that the evil spirits do exist. In the Ignatian dynamic, you have what is, what is called the two standards, the standard of Christ and the standard of Satan. St. Nasus says that the devil utilizes utilizes materialism as well as pride and vanity as the nets that he drops to catch a lot of fish. The devil's out there. And it's always a good idea to remind you and Perseverance family that the devil does exist. The devil does exist. 
Now, I'd just like to remind all of us that the devil does exist. God is much more powerful than the devil. God is much more powerful. But one of the tactics, one of the tactics that the devil does use is when the devil recognizes that we are in a state of desolation, When we feel there's a lack of faith, a lack of hope, a lack of charity, we feel somewhat discouraged, we feel disheartened, we feel maybe a little bit depressed. When we find ourselves in that state, that is the time in which the devil the devil will attack us. Just to be aware of that. I repeat, when you find yourself in the state of desolation, live it sad, discouraged, sad and discouraged, depressed. Life doesn't seem to have any meaning. We all go through that. And that is the time in which the devil takes advantage to to tempt us. And not only that, but the devil will also look for our kryptonite. Our kryptonite, which means our weak point. So on this, as many of you have pointed out, Father's Day, It's a day in which we want to praise and worship our Heavenly Father. Praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You might pray the Our Father very slowly and relish each one of those words. Let's pray for all the earthly fathers. For the earthly fathers. Let's pray also for the spiritual fathers. Thanking all of you for your words of encouragement on this day. Father's Day. Which, true, the priest is known as Father. I thank all of you very abundantly. And I'll be placing you on the altar when I celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Let's pray more and more for vocations to the priesthood and to the religious life. Let's pray for that. Because the gospel today, Jesus looks and his heart is moved. Because he knows the people are like a sheep without a shepherd. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus says, the harvest is rich, the labors are few. So I invite all of you to...
to share our conversation with your friends, hoping and praying that we'll get more laborers, more to do the harvest work, because the harvest is rich and the laborers are few. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. May God bless all of you with peace, joy, long life, and eternal life. Amen.